Transportation is a journey connecting us in our everyday lives. This podcast series, TRB's Transportation Explorers, takes you on that journey with meaningful conversations with the experts behind the research. They often have an early eye on how we'll build the transportation of tomorrow. Today, we're talking to Norm Augustine, who is the chair of TRB's 2019 Future of the Interstate Report. We have to start worrying about climate change. Our interstates are quite vulnerable to climate change, particularly flooding. That's something that uh, was not kept in mind at the time they were built, but it's very much in mind today and it takes time to resolve. Hi, I'm Elaine Farrell. And I'm Paul Mackey with the Transportation Research Board of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine based in Washington, D.C. Norm is retired from Lockheed Martin, and his distinguished career includes serving as Undersecretary of the Army in the 1970s, as CEO of Building Materials Supplier Martin Marietta in the 1980s, and founding a venture capital firm in the 1990s. He's also served as the chair of a NASA panel tasked with reviewing NASA's plans for Mars and beyond. Finally, Mr. Augustine was presented the National Medal of Technology and received the Joint Chiefs of Staff Distinguished Public Service Award. Welcome, Norm. It's uh, great to be talking to you again. I had the pleasure of working with you some when TRB was releasing the Future Interstate Report, 10 Big Ideas for the 21st Century, and the recommendations in that report appear to be timely again. Now that the $1.9 trillion coronavirus stimulus package has been passed, President Joe Biden is expected to create what some are saying could be a comparably ambitious infrastructure infrastructure package designed to create jobs and modernize our transportation system. What are the most important parts of TRB's recommendations that Biden and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg should use to get the American public on board? Well, thank you for inviting me today. And uh, the topic is one that I think is of great importance to our country. The uh, the study that I was involved in uh, with the TRB addressed uh, one aspect of the uh, infrastructure issue, namely the interstate highways, a very important aspect, of course. The uh, uh, act- actions that we proposed uh, some two years ago uh, turn out, as you say, to be very timely today because of the focus on infrastructure now that the COVID packages uh, have been approved. And it does offer something that has great bipartisanship uh, associated with it. And uh, it's one of these uh, win-wins in the sense that uh, we not only improve our infrastructure, but we create jobs while we're doing it. And so we think this is a a time to act. We proposed a a package uh, actually called RAMP, stood for Reconstruction and Modernization Program. And the package had a number of elements uh, the first one really was to legislate a maintenance and repair program to begin rebuilding our infrastate highways. The highways uh, were first approved 65 years ago by the Congress and uh, constructed not too long thereafter. And most had a design life of 50 years. And that includes the bridges. The interstate system is about uh, 49,000 miles of roadway and about 57,000 bridges, if, if one can imagine. A third of them have already passed that design life. It doesn't mean they're gonna to collapse tomorrow, but it means they're going to demand attention. 
So that's the first thing is to begin uh, put appropriate the funds and start rebuilding and maintaining the parts of those highways that are just wearing out. The second thing is uh, to pay for that. Uh, something not very popular, but is to increase the uh, fuel tax to uh, refund the highway trust fund. Clearly, the fuel tax is not something that's popular today. It's eight, the federal element of it is 18.4 cents a gallon. Problem is that was imposed uh, in 1993, or that was last changed in 1993. And since then, we've had a substantial inflation. We've had uh, significant improvements in miles per gallon, and in other words, vehicle efficiency. And as a result, uh, the actual amount buying power of that tax has diminished enormously. Some of the states, many of the states, have increased their fuel tax. The federal government simply is not and needs to. And I need to say that's not an end in itself. This is a stopgap because as we more rapidly move to an all-electric fleet, the fuel tax will produce zero in the sense that there will be no gasoline used per mile. And so we have to find a backup approach. I'll come to that. The next thing that we think is important is uh, to prepare the country to implement tolling or a mileage tax system uh, or a combination thereof, uh, because as the fuel tax ceases to produce uh, funds, something is going to have to pick that up. The next thing, of course, we need to do is to lift the ban on tolling existing general purpose interstate highways. And uh, until that's done, there'll be, we won't be able to raise additional funds uh, from a substantial part of the highway system. Then the uh, next thing that I would uh, suggest is of considerable importance is to maintain the 90-10 sharing relationship costs between the federal government and the states. Uh, that's not a magic number, but it's worked very well for 65 years. And there's every reason to believe it can continue to work well and to be equitable in the future. And it does provide a great incentive to the, system, the states to address the interstates within their area, which they essentially own. The next thing that I would suggest, and there are three more, we have to start worrying about climate change. Our, our interstates are quite vulnerable to climate change, particularly flooding. That's something that uh, was not kept in mind at the time they were built but it's very much in mind today and it takes time to resolve. Then I would point to uh, the importance of improving the, the analytical modeling tools for our highways. Tools are really quite primitive. We're talking about billions of dollars. And if we're going to get the most for our dollar that we invest, we need to have better tools to analyze the impact of an investment in uh, A versus B versus C. And then finally, uh, something that uh, has so far been largely overlooked as I see it, much as it was when the internet was built, because uh, when the internet was built, they didn't have in mind that other individuals or nations would intentionally disrupt uh, the internet. Well, highways are much like that. They're becoming more and more electronic dependent. As we go to uh, fully automated vehicles, uh, which will be a few years in the future, but it's going to happen. Uh, and as we prepare for that, uh, we'll have more and more connectivity between roadways and vehicles. And one of the concerns that we need to have in mind for the further future is that uh, our highways and the vehicles that use them uh, are protected against cyber attack, either vehicle by vehicle or perhaps within a large area. 
That's a long answer to a very short question, but that's kind of the package we propose. We can probably hope that a lot of that is in the infrastructure package. What are, are your thoughts or maybe any inside knowledge that you have on how much that might be in an infrastructure package? And that is certainly an awful lot to try to educate the public. The public doesn't often really see quite how sort of ancient it sounds like a lot of our roads and bridges are. Well, that's true. And it's particularly true because to the credit of those who manage our interstates, uh, only uh, a relatively small fraction of them are categorized in terms of their surface condition as being poor. And uh, so when you drive down the road and look at the surface, it looks okay. Uh, the big concern is what's happened under that surface. Uh, one eventually reaches a point, uh, like in a house, you can't continue solving the problem with paint. One of the things we have to do is find out just what is the condition of the subsurface. It is hard to persuade the public the public kind of takes highways for granted, as we take a lot of things for granted, until we don't have them, until they fail. One of the problems, one of the good things about highways is that unlike some systems, for example, the electric grid, highways are more like a frog that gets boiled. They, they don't collapse all at once with the exception, possible exception of bridges. And so you don't have this dramatic wake-up call. Uh, that you have in other important areas of the infrastructure. And so you kind of tend to overlook the importance of the interstate highway system, just what it means to our economy, to our convenience, and also the problems it has. The public spends uh, two and a half billion hours a year in our country on our interstate highways alone to get to where they go over and above what it would take them were they to not be congested. In other words, in normal conditions, you could get there two and a half billion hours less than it now takes. I just figured out that's a million person years. And so that's uh, something that the public uh, might be attuned to. With all of the changes that have happened in the past 50 plus years with the interstate system, it's probably not surprising that the American Society of Civil Engineers has given the U.S. a C- for the infrastructure overall. And as you know, for the interstate report, we were tasked by Congress to only look at how the interstate system can be improved upon. However, there are loud voices that advocate for for more spending across not just highways, but transit, aviation, marine, rail, and all the other modes. So do you think all of our transportation can be addressed by Biden, or is that too much of an ask to fix everything? And if so, how do we prioritize? Well, Lee, that's, that's really a $64 question in the sense that uh, we really do have to uh, address the infrastructure as a whole. And that includes everything from ports to bridges to uh, highways to uh, rapid transit to local traffic and where do you park your vehicle when you're not using it and aviation and you shipping and you go down the line and you could spend a lot of money and this is going to cost a lot of money and we may as well get used to that idea but it's a great handicap to our nation to not modernize our infrastructure. It's a handicap to our economy, to business, costs us jobs. I think it's something that we have to address. And your point, uh, how do you single out which element of the, uh, the infrastructure do you prioritize over the others? And 
clearly, if you have a finite amount of money, which presumably we do, one has to have a way to prioritize. And that's where our modeling capability comes in and is, is really very poor. Uh, we don't model well, even within interstate highways, let alone comparing what you should spend on interstate highways as opposed to rapid transit. And these things all couple with one another. And that's one of the complicating factors. But speaking for myself, uh, our study was highly focused on the IHS, on the interstate highway system. Uh, it's very appropriate to uh, look at the infrastructure as a whole, do trade-offs as to where the next dollar could best be spent or where the total amount of dollars could best be spent, then to, to go to work on whatever comes out as the highest priority. Uh, the one thing we can say, based on our study where we talked to over 100 people, we had 13 members on our commission that uh, worked on every aspect of highways and bridges you can think of, uh, our view is the interstate uh, is badly in need of attention. And as it's stacked up against these other things, uh, I, I hope it will be given very careful consideration. Norm, you uh, you surely talked with your uh, fellow committee members as you were producing the, the Transportation Research Board's report in 2019. Um, what kind of things... It's only been two short years, and this is a small amount of time in the long history of our interstates, but uh, you must have talked about some things that you sort of saw coming up as, as major issues for the interstates. And has anything really changed much in, in your recommendations? You sort of laid them out before earlier in the show, but uh, anything else or anything along the lines you've already discussed that has changed in the past two years? Yes, I think there have been. Uh, we did deal with the impact of climate change. And uh, that I think in the last two years has been vastly elevated in terms of its uh, importance. And we have a lot of interstate uh, relatively low elevations from large bodies of water. And uh, of course, fires around interstates have been a problem. That would be a concern. So I, I would certainly say climate change was uh, one of those things. The other one that comes to my mind is this question of cybersecurity of people who might intentionally try to interfere with our highway. I guess a third, and again, it was in our report, but it's taking on uh, more urgency, is the electrification of our vehicle fleet. Uh, the movement away from uh, petrochemicals as a source of energy. And as we do that, our funding stream is going to uh, not diminish. It's going to virtually dry up. And so we're going to have to address that pretty quickly. And so I think the answer to your question, Paul, is that uh, I don't think there's anything vastly new, but I think there's some things that have, have certainly jumped in priority. We're certainly among the richest countries in the world. You know, Elaine talked about the, the engineers' poor grades for our roads and, and bridges and interstates. Um, and you mentioned how they are seem to be reaching the end or at the end of their lifespans. Being such a rich country, why, why are we having such a hard time getting this right, do you think? I think it boils down to uh, the frog problem. You know, it, highways just last a long time. And I'm an engineer. And when you design something the last 50 years, our ability to predict that very precisely uh, is not very good. And it may turn out to be 60 years or 40 years or even worse, uh, one way or the other, or better one way. 
I think the uncertainty that we're not headed toward a cliff makes it awfully hard to deal with this kind of issue when you have a Congress that's principal focus is, is two years, uh, the time to be reelected in the House, or one year, the time to put together another budget, or industry where the focus is on the next quarter. It's hard in this country to get people's attention to long-term investments like infrastructure, like education, like research, and things of that type. That's a really good point. To think ahead in the long term, I think, is something we need to work on. Um, but, but going back to talk about you more than the interstate reports, um, in your distinguished co- career, which I mentioned earlier, does anything specifically stand out to you? What do you most want to be remembered for and why? Well, that is a really hard question. Uh, I guess it would be that, that I tried to help solve problems, help solve important problems. And, I've grown up in an interesting period, I guess, like everybody does. I was born in the middle of the Great Depression, and I was a kid in World War II, and went through uh, 9-11 and uh, all the stuff that's gone on since then. And of course, uh, the lockdown everybody's going through now. And as I, I kind of look back, I had the chance, just chance too, uh, I take no credit, but by chance, I studied aerospace engineering. I began graduate school, the very week Sputnik went up and the space race was on. So I was able to get involved in that. I uh, was running a defense aerospace company when the Berlin Wall fell and the aerospace industry totally collapsed. And uh, that was an opportunity to try to do things very differently and try to make things better. And uh, then since I retired, I'm now allegedly retired, I still work full time, but it's all pro bono. Since I've retired, I've had the chance to uh, work on a lot of just interesting projects, like the interstate highway system as an example. And uh, I've been able to work with some of the most talented people in the country on all different kinds of topics. So I I guess what would I like to be remembered for was uh, here's a guy who tried to help. That is a noble thing to be remembered for, for sure. And uh, going back, maybe this is before your, your list of achievements uh, but how did you first get interested in transportation? Were you interested in transportation before aerospace or vice versa? Or how did it happen? When I was, in, I grew up in Colorado and I spent a lot of time in the mountains. And when I was in high school, a teacher asked me what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. And I said, I want to be a forest ranger. And he said, no, that's not what you're going to do. And he handed me two envelopes to two colleges and Anyway, I went off to one of them, and uh, uh, it turned out they didn't teach forestry. And uh, through the advice of a senior at that same college, been a senior at the same high school I was at, I happened to run into him, and he said, you ought to be studying aeronautical engineering. That's what he was studying, and that's where it's at. And so I studied aeronautical engineering. And, uh, well, aeronautical engineering is about transportation. And then the connection gets a little closer here. When I was working on trying to improve airplanes and take the case of commercial airplanes, one of the things passengers like is to get there faster, from A to B faster. And so uh, being an aerodynamicist was my specialty. That means you got to fly faster. So I devoted a lot of time flying faster. And then it suddenly occurred to me, uh, take a trip from where I'm based in Washington, D.C. to Chicago, 
takes what, maybe less than two hours, hopefully, on the airplane. And so I could make them go faster. The problem was that if you view it as a transportation system, which we should, transportation is really a system of systems. My trip from Washington to Chicago, it takes me an hour to get to Dulles. It takes me two hours to check in, get rid of my bag, and get on the airplane, maybe a two-hour flight, and then an hour to get a rental car and get my bag, hour to drive into Chicago and check into a hotel. I don't know what that adds up to, something like eight hours. And so I'm going to cut the two hours of the flight by 12 minutes or something. How much are people going to pay to do that? I mean, passengers are smarter than that. They view it as a system. And so then I got interested in transportation systems. And uh, that brought me down to ground, if you will, down to earth, <laughs> to interstate highways, which I've used a lot. If you live in the Washington area, you stand uh, still on interstates a lot and have time to think about it. Sounds like you almost would have made it to Chicago from Washington, D.C. faster on that interstate than in the, uh, than the, in the airplane. Well, I, for a number of years, uh, I commuted from Princeton to Washington, D.C. to Princeton, New Jersey, and it was faster to uh, drive than to fly. Well, going back to the uh, interstate report, the interstate system is obviously crucial to continuing and improving our way of life, and the report makes this abundantly clear, but what would you say is the most important research to undertake about the system? You know, you can talk about the transportation system at large, as you were saying, that you think doesn't yet have enough science behind it. There are a number of things that come to mind that uh, need science. I might add the word engineering uh, advancements. One is uh, how do we maintain bridges more effectively than we do? uh, And particularly, how do we upgrade bridges as opposed to building new bridges? And I say that because the science of materials has changed, design has changed so much. And trying to upgrade bridges that are 50 years old, while you still have to permit uh, traffic to operate, is a little like rebuilding an airplane, if I might, uh, in flight. And uh, it's it's hard to do. Also, uh, we need better means, uh, and we need to apply them, of determining the condition of the roadways that are underneath the surface, uh, the road beds and so on. Uh, There are some means today, but they're not nearly as effective as might hope they would be. And I think the other thing is that uh, as we move into uh, more automation in our vehicles, the science that goes behind uh, some of the challenges that are posed in that area uh, is lacking. That will be demand an enormous amount of effort in every field from artificial intelligence to rapid computing and so on. And so there is research to be done, but in terms of what needs to be done in the immediate future, uh, by and large, we know how to do it. We just have to go do it. Well, Norm, we thank you so much for joining us today and, and even more so for all your help over the years that you have offered to the transportation system and to the travelers of our nation. Uh, It certainly will be interesting to see where uh, the recommendations in the TRB interstate report go as we sort of come out on the other side, hopefully of the pandemic soon and, and new challenges will arise and perhaps opportunities have arisen during this time as well. Well, Paul Lane, thank you both very much. And uh, let's just hope it will be said of our report, maybe, that uh, we help solve a problem. So uh, 
You all have a great day. Yes, you too. And thank you for your 40 years of solving problems. TRB's Transportation Explorers is a production of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Ben Brown composed our theme music. The podcast is produced by Paul Mackey and me, Elaine Farrell, and edited by me. Thanks again for tuning into TRB's Transportation Explorers. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. See you next time on the transportation journey.